0: Well, welcome to The Way Home Podcast, where we feature conversations with church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling. Today, my conversation is with my good friend, Bruce Ashford. Bruce joined me in the studio during our recent leadership summit on racial reconciliation that we held here in Nashville. Bruce is provost and associate professor of theology and culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, And the reason I asked Bruce here was I wanted to discuss his latest book, Every Square Inch. This is a great book, an important book. I love it for a variety of reasons, mainly because it helps Christians recover, I think, a biblical view of culture. If you're like me and you grew up sort of antagonistic toward culture, not quite understanding what it is, this is a very important book for you to read. I'm particularly interested in the way that Bruce interacts with the idea of work. Bruce is one of the leading thinkers on the intersection of faith and culture. So this will be a great conversation. Before we begin, I want to let you know about two really cool things at the ERLC. First, our Leland House Press has just released my ebook Engage, Maintaining a Christian Witness Online. This is normally $2.99, but if you use the coupon code WAYHOME in all caps, you can get it for free. Secondly, I want to invite you to save the date, August 5th. For our second annual national conference, our theme this year will be the gospel and politics. Uh, Dr. Moore and other evangelical leaders, such as Sammy Rodriguez, are going to discuss what does what Christian cultural engagement look like, especially as we head into an election season, a very important presidential election. How should we be thinking? How should pastors and church leaders be preparing and equipping their people to engage rightly and engage well? I also have a coupon code for this conference. Uh, When you register, put the coupon code WAYHOME in all caps and get a special 15% discount. Uh, You can find all this information on my website, danieldarling.com. Click on the podcast page. But for now, let's join our conversation with my friend, Bruce Ashford. Bruce Ashford, thanks for joining the Way Home podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. So good good to have you here, and uh, glad we were able to snag you while you're in town. You have a new book out called Every Square Inch, an introduction to cultural engagement for Christians. And so can you talk about what inspired this work, why you decided to write it, why you think it's needed?
1: Yeah, so a, lo- a lot of it's biographical. I remember as a kid mm-hmm. wondering if Christ is Lord, why that mattered for anything other than what happened in church or in my quiet times. I don't feel like I got a good answer. I felt like I had a a little teeny tiny Jesus Mm -hmm. inside of my heart and didn't know what to do with him. And Mm -hmm. he sort of stayed there. Then lived in Russia for a little while and in a country where Christianity had been systematically removed from the system by the Soviets for years and years. And I I began to see the deep sense of loss in the cultural institutions in Russia, Mm -hmm. government, university and so forth this loss of a sense that there is anything true or good or beautiful or meaningful and i began to realize the powerful influence of religion on culture and vice versa mm-hmm. and i wanted to write really wanted to write a small introductory book for thoughtful lay people or for college students or for pastors to introduce them to what it means to live christianly in all these different spheres of life art and science politics economics business entrepreneurship sports and competition homemaking mm-hmm. and so forth
0: so you know i grew up we had similar backgrounds and so i'm very grateful for my heritage but you know one of the hallmarks of that was kind of a escapist theology so That's right. hey man it's all going to burn up only we, what you do for Christ will last, which we still believe, but what does that mean? All, all this stuff in the culture and the institutions are all gonna go away. They don't matter. Uh, I actually remember a pastor saying something like, you know, some guy had just given a, a large sum of money to a hospital and him saying, why would you do that? You know, that's gonna burn up. We should be winning souls. And so, you know, a lot of us have grown up that way, but uh, that's not really a biblical way to look at culture, is it?
1: No, it's not. I mean, I I kind of see it as a spectrum, and mm-hmm. you have errors on either end of the spectrum. So you have one view of culture we could call Christians against culture, mm-hmm. and that can manifest itself in viewing the church as a bomb shelter. There's mm-hmm. a big, bad, evil world. God doesn't even like any of it, mm-hmm. and he's going to carpet bomb it into submission one day, destroy it, <laughs> yeah. and then give us you know something different. Um, and then another manifestation of Christians against culture would be viewing the church, I think, as an ultimate fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, as a mixed martial arts <laughs> yeah. agent, nothing, life is nothing but a war. Mm-hmm. And all I'm going to do is strike out all the time mm-hmm. against uh, you know, everyone else. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the Christians of culture who tend to have view culture as something inherently positive, and they can incorporate it seamlessly into their churches and lives. And I would say the view of the church then would be the church is a chameleon. It mm-hmm. sort of changes from era to era. And what we want instead is to be a Christian in and for the culture. Mm-hmm. So we have to be in a cultural context... Um, So if I could work this out for a minute, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the physical material universe, and he called it good. Mm -hmm. And he told man to be a cultural being. He said, I want you to till the soil. I want you to take the good world that I've just given you and till it, make something out of it, bring out its hidden potential. And so we've done that. Now, since the fall, it's a mixed bag because when we make culture and, uh, you know, all of these things we've talked about, politics, economics, art, science, you know, all of these different things... Uh, it's either shaped toward Christ or away from Him. Mm-hmm. All of life is either done toward Him or away from Him. So we enter into a cultural context. Part of it is just discerning, in this particular
0: situation, how can I redirect it and shape it toward Christ. One of the things Andy Crouch talks about in culture making is you know everything's culture. The things we make with our hands are culture. We we tend to have this bifurcation that there's this kind of big bad culture mm. against us, and so but we're we're actually. Um, Creating culture with our hands. You, you got the title from Abraham Kuyper's famous quote, right? So that's right. I take it you're a bit of a Kuyper fan.
1: You know, I'm, I am a Kuyper fan. I actually named my third child, my son, John Paul Kuyper Ashford. So if you name your son after a guy, it must mean yeah. you're, you're all in. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So you know, Kuyper's influence on me has been in this one area of trying to mm-hmm. figure out how it is that a Christian relates to his cultural context, and I think Kuyper's life and his writings are helpful. You know, he was a pastor, but Mm -hmm. he was also started a national newspaper, a university, he was a parliament member. And then was also prime minister of the Netherlands, and so he didn't just write about these things, but I think exemplified them. He was he was a flawed man, as any man is, Mm -hmm. but a good man, and I think a good model.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think where this really helps us is maybe not necessarily you and I who are working for Christian organizations, you know, that get a lot of attention in terms of Christian calling, but people like my dad, who was a plumber, Mm -hmm. and I always felt growing up that my dad, you know, what we kind of heard in church was. You know, If you're really committed to Christ, then you're going to walk forward and, and commit to going in, onto the mission field as a full-time uh, you know missionary or work stateside as a pastor or youth pastor or something, basically get a check from a Christian organization. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't, well, it's nice because you can tithe or, well, you can pass out a few tracts or, well, you got to provide for your family, but really never found anything redeeming in the actual work. That someone like my dad would do. And so I always felt like he was kind of relegated to the Christian JV, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really in the big leagues. Um, and so, but that's really a flawed view of, of culture, right?
1: Oh, man, you've really teed me up. Absolutely. So, absolutely everything in life matters to God. Any vocation is a fertile ground for Christian mm-hmm. mission, whether you're a plumber, a mathematician, an engineer, an English professor, a businessman or a politician. And so what I would say is for any person, when they go into their vocation, their workplace, you really have three questions you need to ask. They're going to seem simple at first, but really ask asking these questions, answering them well is not as simple as it might appear. So the first question is, what is God's creational design for this sphere of culture, this activity? Okay, And there's not a one-to-one correlation. There's probably not gonna be a Bible verse that tells you how to do your vocation. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have to look at deep level biblical principles and say, what would God want out of this? Mm -hmm. How would this honor Christ and serve the community and its common good? Mm -hmm. Second question is, how has sin and idolatry corrupted and misdirected this sphere? So what are the idols, the deep level idols operative in the American business world Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or in government and politics? how can I unearth those idols? And then the third question is, how can I enter into this realm then and redirect it toward Christ?
0: Mm -hmm. And I think this really changes the way we think about discipleship, right? One of the excellent books I read last summer was Greg Forster's new book, and the, the title escapes me, but an excellent book. And one of the things he said, and I think you're saying here is discipleship... I mean, we tend to think of discipleship as churchy stuff, and it is. I mean, bible reading prayer evangelizing being faithful to church and you know maybe like stacking chairs afterwards or making a casserole and all those are good things but like discipleship is really broader right it's 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 kind of faithfulness in the work environment
1: you know the bible talks about the heart And the heart in the Bible is sort of the innermost recesses of who a person Mm -hmm. is. If you want to distill a person to their essence, Mm -hmm. look at their heart. And it also teaches us that the heart radiates outward into everything a person does. Mm -hmm. Two kinds of people in the world, those who uh, love the Lord Christ and those who don't, and and, and that's a heart issue, and it radiates outward into everything we do, and it matters. you mm-hmm. know. And so I really do think we need to redo the paradigm of discipleship. One place we have failed mm-hmm. as the Christian church is showing our people how to be disciples outside of the bounds of their private lives. And one of the reasons is we're we're so looking forward to flying away. I'll, yeah. f- I'll fly away. But mm-hmm. well, what you need to know, you may fly away, but you're going to fly right back. <laughs> because God is going to renew and restore this universe, and our existence in eternity will be a deeply...
0: Mm-hmm. profoundly
1: and comprehensively social and cultural existence, with art and architecture and song, you know, cultural activity. And we will honor the Lord Christ with cultural activity for eternity.
0: Yeah, and if you think of discipleship, you know, I just think of my dad again, a good, faithful man. He was a good plumber. I remember, you know, you're, you're doing new construction and you're putting pipes in the walls that nobody's gonna see. And my dad would, like, right. take painstaking care to make sure those he did good work, and I'd be like, "I'm like, Dad, who cares? Like, no one's gonna see." It. He's like, "Well, I can see it, and the Lord sees it." That was faithful discipleship. Like, I don't think he ever understood that or knew that. But our people that are working in work environments, right? The guy that is working at Chick Fil A, the guy that uh, is stacking boxes at the Amazon warehouse, the guy that's working in a cubicle—that is work unto the Lord, right?
1: It is. Let me flesh that out for a minute. <clears throat> So when God wants to feed, and I'm going to refer it back to your dad's job as a plumber. So when God wants to feed a hungry baby, mm-hmm. he usually doesn't do it by giving manna from heaven. <laughs> the way he normally does it is through farmers and truck drivers who transport crops mm-hmm. to, to, to a store. And then also to the people that built the grocery store and the plumber mm-hmm. who installed the plumbing, and the guy who sweeps the floors, and the guy who runs the cash register. So when God wants to feed a baby, he does it with this complex interlocking web of vocations. Same thing as when he wants to heal a small child who is sick. Mm-hmm. He does it through doctors and nurses and the people who make the medical scaffolds and the people who built the building and the plumber who made the facilities. The doctors could not function without him. Mm-hmm. And so this is God's way of providing for the world. And someone, someone like your father takes an activity that some people might consider menial or not Christian in any discernible way, and he does it as unto the Lord, what he does is he contributes to the common good. Mm -hmm. He is loving those people with the love of Christ if he does that intentionally.
0: Mm -hmm. And does this also inform the way we think about institutions we should care about institutions. I I remember uh, when my daughter was sick, back when we lived in Chicago, my daughter had this strange virus that overtook her body, so we were at Children's Memorial Hospital downtown. And I remember walking those walls and looking at the plaques that people gave money to that and being grateful that someone out there cares about the institution of a hospital, that someone cares we have a hospital. And so Christians have not been taught well to care about institutions, haven't they?
1: Cultural institutions matter, and they matter profoundly. There's a sociologist who just passed away named Philip Brief and mm. he, he published a trilogy when he, when he died. And the first book among the trilogy was called My Life Among the Death Works, uh, and then there were t- two others. And one of the points he made is that underneath a social order always lies a sacred order.
0: Mm.
1: And even though Americans and Europeans are trying to do away with sacred order and just have social order on its own, it can't ever really be done. But what mediates sacred order to social order is cultural institutions, Mm. And they're very powerful and very formative. And I think Jamie Smith made that point in his book, Desiring mm-hmm. uh, the, the Kingdom, that cultural institutions shape us in, in the deepest parts of who we are. And they either shape us well or badly. Mm-hmm. They become liturgies, for example. Mm-hmm. And they'll either point us toward Christ or away.
0: Let's talk practically. You know, Pastors set the tone in terms of Preaching and teaching, you know, people are relying on them to tell them, you know, and explain to them what's biblical, what's right, what's true. Is there language that pastors use well meaning, but that cuts against a good doctrine of vocation or uh, idea of culture? I'm I'm thinking particularly things like, you know, only what you do for Christ lasts. And you and I know what that means, Mm -hmm. but, or making disciples matters, nothing else matters. Like language, how does language like that hurt? This discussion,
1: yeah. So I think it assumes that uh, there are several different kingdoms in this world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Christ's kingdom is limited, at least right now, to the church. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do kingdom work, if you want to participate in Christian mission, if you want to do something that really matters, mm-hmm. you'd better be a missionary. If you're not a missionary, eh, you can be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you know, I just don't. Think that's the way it is. I Mm -hmm. think Christ is Lord over everything in this realm. When we do it well and do it unto His glory, we are doing kingdom work. We're Mm -hmm. participating in the Christian mission, and so that that sort of language can be used and employed. I think you're right about the only what's done for Christ will last. Well, the assumption there, because of the way the Bible's been preached by certain folks for years, is that the only things that are done for Christ are done within the four walls of a church building or on the mission field
0: Mm -hmm.
1: as a church planner. And those things are very important, but so are all of these other things.
0: How does a good understanding of culture affect our politics, the way we engage politics?
1: Yeah. So I think one thing is – so we're in an increasingly post-Christian country. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in our history, we're at a point where um, Christians are not only considered morally inferior but often morally reprehensible. And so we're trying to figure out strategy. And so you see Christians reacting in all sorts of manners. I mean, one way they react is just vociferously uh, by a sort Mm -hmm. of political activism that is angry. And I think one of the things underlying that is is uh, that the only tool they have left in the basket, because they've forgotten culture, the only tool they have left is overwhelming switchboards mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah. it's a very short-term strategy. So what I would say is that I want to put my political strategy within the context of a broader cultural strategy, because mm-hmm. politics is one aspect of culture and a very important aspect, but it's affected by all these others. So I want to put some of my eggs in the basket of our universities and education. That very much... Am- influences politics. Mm -hmm. Every four years, we graduate another generation of college students from our public and private universities that are very likely to vote in a way that is opposed to my deepest Christian convictions. So focus on the universities. Focus on the arts. How influential is Hollywood, Nashville, Mm and the arts? Put some energy there. What about the sciences? How about building some Christian research institutions? We have almost none. Mm -hmm. Lots of liberal arts colleges, and I'm not against them. We have one at Southeastern. But what about research universities? And so if, as Christians, we have a place to stand, a faithful place to stand in all of these different sectors of culture, it's going to give us plausibility in Mm -hmm. the political realm.
0: Yeah. And and does it also inform the things we care about? So not just we're very deeply – we care about religious liberty. I mean, that's our middle name. (laughs) Mm. We care about human trafficking. We care about the justice issues, uh, pro-life, marriage. But we also, if we care about our – our cultures and our our communities, we should care about good roads, right? Absolutely. We should care about good libraries, right? And good hospitals and good, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, so I think God created the world in a state of shalom, mm-hmm. Hebrew word that we often translate peace in English, but the word peace can b- hardly carry the freight of the Hebrew word shalom. Mm-hmm. So God, basically, to translate shalom better, we would use phrases or sentences that God created a world in which we would flourish and mm-hmm. have delight and harmony and justice. And if we're going to work for flourishing and delight and harmony and justice, you're right. It really broadens the portfolio of mm-hmm. what we should be interested in in politics. Now, the big question is at what level should it be handled politically? National government, state mm-hmm. government, mediating institutions like nonprofit organizations right. and churches, individual believers. But politically, yes, we want to work at all of those levels
0: and different giftings, right? I mean, pe- yes. people are di- gifted for different realms and different, different levels of influence, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And it, and it ascribes a certain significance to all of those realms mm-hmm. and all of those levels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not only certain realms, or certain levels that matter, it's all of them.
0: When you're talking to pastors, I mean, you're training and teaching pastors how to go into churches and, um, and preach well and lead well. How are you training them to teach and preach in a way that hmm. informs people's view of culture?
1: So I would mention three things. One is theological. Mm-hmm. Early on in, in Christian history, Christians bought into Greek philosophy, Plato and others, that denigrates the physical and material world. Mm-hmm. And if you buy into that, and many many Christians have, it's game over. None of this other stuff matters. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is invisible things. So first of all, you want to install a fully Christian rather than a sub-Christian view of creation, mm-hmm. because listen, if the physical material world is worthless, then the incarnation doesn't matter. So that's the first thing that I would do. But more practically, uh, well, that's practical. So the physical material world matters. Um, Number two, I would teach them to do what Martin Luther did. At the end of his sermons, he often applied his sermons to four callings that every Christian has, calling to a family, to a church, to a workplace, and to a community. Wow. Luther was a very good pastor, and he didn't write about those callings in his writings very often, but he often did it in his preaching. Mm-hmm. And when I preach, I find it easy to apply to those four arenas, mm-hmm. family, church, workplace, and community. And then, uh, and then the third thing is I think churches should partner together to have third places where people from different vocations can meet together and really talk about what it means to honor Christ in the business world. Mm-hmm. In the arts, in the sciences, so that we're working together to do this thing and do it well.
0: Mm-hmm. And how might this encourage the lay people? I mean, let's face it, most of our churches are filled with what is commonly called lay people, right? And how, how often have they come to church feeling downcast and feeling like, well, I'm a mailman, so pff, yeah, you know, I'm not a missionary, so you know. And how might this kind of change that paradigm?
1: Man, I think it sets their hair on fire. Yeah. I think all of a sudden their life matters. Think mm-hmm. about it. If this stuff doesn't matter, then 90% of your waking hours mm-hmm. don't really matter.
0: Yeah. And honestly, how might it affect evangelism, you know, if if Christians were empowered to go out into the world and do excellent work? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of witness is that to the world?
1: God always intended for word and deed to come together. Mm -hmm. And liberals tend to do deeds without words. Conservatives tend to do words without Mm -hmm. deeds. But God didn't give us that choice. I cannot Mm -hmm. choose between, hey, am I going to share the gospel with people or am I going to be faithful to my wife? Mm -hmm. That's not a choice. I don't prioritize those. I do them at the same time. And if we can pair Mm -hmm. deeds with our words so that the Christian community's lives are seamless
0: tapestries of word and deed, that is a powerful witness. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and we're, we're, you know, by our work and by what we do, aren't we showing a, a glimpse of what the kingdom might look like? Right?
1: It's a preview of the kingdom, man. You, you said it. Yeah. It is. A, we want to give a glimpse to people of what it will be like one day yeah. when the Lord Christ reigns over a new heavens and a new earth, which is going to be very social and cultural existence.
0: Yeah, I, I'm gonna come back to my dad, and I think, you know, he did really excellent work. And he, you know, he wasn't afraid to to share his faith and he was he was good at that. But really the thing the signpost that drew a lot of people to his Christian faith was his the work he did. He was known for doing good work. I mean he never read books like this, and no one really taught it, but he and and might that be a witness where imagine if Christians went out into the world and did good and excellent work and people could mm. sit back and say, Why is it that you care so much yeah. about You know, that last box you're putting on the assembly line when no one will care. Or why is that you care about good art and good hospitals? And Mm. that's an entrance into the Christian story, right?
1: It is. Absolutely it is.
0: Yeah. Well, Bruce Ashford, thank you so much for joining us. I encourage everybody to get this excellent book, Every Square Inch, An Introduction to Cultural Engagement for Christians. I mean, really, churches could be using this in their small groups, right? They could use this as kind of a launching point for teaching this in, yeah, their, in their churches, right?
1: Yeah. This, the intention is for it to be used in churches
0: and mm-hmm. uh, with undergrad students. Awesome. Well, no doubt after this podcast, it'll rocket up the New York Times bestseller list, right?
1: <laughs> That's my hope. Yeah.
0: But thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Well, I want to thank Bruce Ashford for that terrific conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by emailing us at wayhome at erlc.com or better yet, writing a review on iTunes. If you're interested in other conversations with Christian leaders such as David Platt, Matt Chandler, Molly Hemingway, Karen Swallow Pryor, Johnny Moore, and others, check out the podcast page at DanielDarling.com. You can download them there or you can subscribe to The Way Home in iTunes or Stitcher. You can also find information at my website about our national conference on the gospel and politics and my free ebook, Engage, Maintaining a Christian Witness Online. I hope to see you download that and I hope to see you at our conference in August. But until then, thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast.